in our days, unfortunately, leaders are looking all the time back to see what the people want from them. You are being elected to become a leader when you know how to show the way to the people. I'm Gil Galanos, and welcome to Storymark, a show about leaders, the moments that made them, and the mark they leave. On today's show, Storymark's first live episode with the 10th President of Israel, the Honorable Reuven Ruvi Rivlin. We were thrilled when Israel's 10th President, Reuven Rivlin, accepted our invitation to fly all the way to Arizona to join our ITREC annual leadership conference. Ruvi, that's his informal nickname in Israel, had an impressive political career, capped by his bipartisan bid for the presidency. And for those of you who don't know, the Prime Minister in Israel is more like the US President. They're the person who is responsible for running the country. The President in Israel is a prestigious nonpartisan position, an individual who works to bring the entire country together. And Ruvi did just that. His initiatives combined all sectors of society, from religious to secular, ultra-Orthodox to Arab, and in doing so, Ruvi leaves a mark on generations to come, including on myself. In today's polarized world, Ruvi's willingness to go against the grain and to make decisions that many other politicians wouldn't have is what impresses me most about him. So now, please enjoy an excerpt from my live conversation with Israel's 10th president, Reuven Rivlin. It is my great honor to invite the 10th president of Israel, Reuven Rivlin. We never have to exaggerate, okay. <laughs> president Rivlin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for receiving me. I'm very happy to be here today and I'm very honored to be with young leaders, the future of the people of the free world. Thank you so much, and we're so happy that you're well, uh, President Rivlin. I want to take you to your childhood. You were born in Jerusalem in 1939 to a prominent family who had been living there since the early 1800s. On November 29, 1947, I think you were eight years old, and the UN General Assembly voted in favor of a resolution which adopted the plan for the partition of Palestine. Do you remember that moment? I will never forget it. <laughs> it was 11 o'clock, one hour before midnight, and I was ready, along with all our neighbors, to hear what is going on at the United Nations. And we were all sitting in uh, our um, uh, living room uh, because we, had, we were the uh, really few families that had the radio. And everyone was sitting in order to hear what is going on with the vote at the United Nations. And I was so tired and I waited so much. And I fell asleep. <laughs> so suddenly I was awakened because everyone got up and started to, to hug one each other, or to be so glad and to shout and to, to be very happy. And they said, it happened. How can I forget such a moment? <laughs> Impossible. Um, so 
as a child, what was your biggest dream? After the war, the independence war, in the year 1949, they established the new parliament of Israel, the Knesset. My father was one of the nominees to become a president of Israel. He did something which was much more important. He had translated the Koran from Arabic to Hebrew, and afterwards his translation was translated to English and to German, and I was already almost 11. And they came to me and asked me, Rovi, what is your dream? And I said to them, what do you mean, what is my dream? We have our own state. We have our own flag. We are a nation. They said, no, don't you want to become member of Knesset? I said, yeah, members of Knesset are very important. But really, they are politicians. Do I need to have a dream to become a politician? <laughs> and they asked me, would you like to become the speaker of the Knesset? The speaker is the president of the Knesset. And I said to them, with all the respect to the speaker, you don't need to have a dream to become a speaker. I admit, they didn't ask me if I would like to become a president. And they said to me, so, you are 11 years old, so what is your real dream? And I said to them, I, as Israeli, I, one of the Jewish people, I, one who came here 200 years ago because of my ancestors, my dream is that in the year 2000, it was 49, that in the year 2000, we will have in the state of Israel Two million people, Jews who are coming from all around the world. We were, at the time, 800,000 people in Israel. And in the year 2000, we were in Israel at about 6 million Jews. And now we are 10 million citizens. So I dream, but I really didn't know how to dream. <laughs> So your dream did come true and uh, big time. And I want to take you on something that you mentioned. You served as the member of Knesset, Minister of Communication, Speaker of the Knesset, and of course the President. I want to ask you, I hope it's not a sensitive question, did you ever aspire to become Israel's Prime Minister? Well, first of all, to be a President is very prestige. The President is very important to the people, but the one who takes really the decisions is the Prime Minister. He is the head, in, according to our democracy, he is the one who leads the government, the security, the economy. To become a prime minister is to become the real leader. And I was considering the possibility of to become a prime minister until I became communication minister of Israel. And at the time, one of my sons was an Israeli Marine, and he was fighting in Jenin. And they were ordered on the next day to get into the Soho of Jenin. We knew that the terror organization of the Hamas and the Jihad will hold the innocent people of Jenin as hostages in order to avoid any kind of fire against them. So they knew that they are going to have a very, very terrible battle there. And my son have spoken to me, said, Dad, we need the Air Force to do something before we get in. And of course, I said to him, son, do your job, 
fulfill the orders that you'd get. You are a soldier in the Israeli army. Don't ask me uh, to be involved in decisions that uh, have to be uh, decided by the government. Of course, I was in the government. And uh, when the Prime Minister, Ari Sharon was the Prime Minister, was heading the uh, meeting, uh, he has said, well, on the agenda is the request of the Israeli army to do so and so. I got up from the table and I went outside. Arik was looking at me because I was a, also a very good friend. Although we had differences of opinion about many things, we were friends. He was my commander. I was in very, very serious battles along with him. Arik called me and said, Ruvi, I don't understand what have happened to you. You never leave the meetings of the government, ever. What have happened? Why did you go out? What you, something with, wrong with your stomach? Said, no, I knew what is on the agenda, and I told him what uh, my son had asked me, and I said I don't want to get involved uh, with the decision. Uh, there are other people that should have the ability to think clearly about the situation and to take the, the uh, right answer. I didn't want to involve personal feelings with the decision. And he said to me, how will you be the next prime minister? And I said to him, I changed my mind tonight and I know I can be sent as a soldier to every place in the world that the government will decide I'm ready to give my life for the security of the state of Israel. Nevertheless, I cannot get any kind of decisions to send one to be killed. Unfortunately, at the Jenin fight, 16 soldiers from the company of my son were killed. And we have attended the 16 funerals. And I've told this story to the presidents of the United States. I've told this story to all presidents from all around the world. I've told everyone, and because of that, I've changed my mind. I didn't want to become a prime minister. Although there are some people who believe that it would be very good if I would become the prime minister. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> and we are definitely super excited that you did become uh, the president, and it's a wonderful segue. On October 2014, only a few months after being elected, you became the first sitting president of Israel to attend a memorial for the 1956 Kfar Qasem massacre in which Israeli border patrol officers shot and killed 47 Israeli Arabs. Why was it important for you to do that and were you concerned about criticism from the Israeli public? In uh, 1956, I was in the, last, uh, in the high school. I was uh, asked by the Army of Israel uh, to join the army in order to translate papers from Arabic to Hebrew because I knew Arabic, because I learned Arabic at school. And I was the son of uh, one of the Arabic professors, greatest professors in the world, my father, Joseph Yoel. And uh, when that thing had happened, of course, we were all watching the trial that uh, took place immediately after this tragedy, or I would say this disaster. And the head of the uh, panel of court uh, was one of the members of the, uh, the ideological idea of the right side of the people, Judge Alevi. He became afterwards part of the Supreme Court. He have decided 
hearing what had happened in 56, he said, the order that was given in Kfar Qasim about shooting innocent people, this is something which is not only illegal, it's not only a wrong decision, it is evil decision. So I came to Kfar Qasim, and every year at the Memorial Day, there are people from the Jewish side who say, really, the Arabs who have attacked us, and because of that, uh, you have to take responsibility. And the other people have said, you are citizens of the state of Israel. How can you shoot your citizens in such a situation? And that became one of the principles of the uh, army of Israel. This is one of the values, the moral behind standing with a gun. So I said that I came to you in order to say to our citizens, the Arabs, whatever happened was wrong, was a disaster. We are here in order to be part of the Memorial Day of Farkasem, a citizen of the state of Israel. And I found myself responsible for the people of Israel to let them understand, because when you are being elected to become a president, you have to show the people the way. You don't have to follow the people because you want to be elected once again. Leaders are being elected because people trust that they will lead them. In our days, unfortunately, leaders are looking all the time back to see what the people want from them and not what they should lead the people before and for. You are being elected to become a leader when you know how to show the way to the people. You were elected in order to show them, even though they think differently. There are many people, of course, who have criticized me. And now uh, you can become a traitor every time that you think differently. So this is something that has to be changed. And thank you, President, for your leadership. And I guess we have to wrap up. But I'm tempted to ask you uh, one last question. I want to ask you about leadership because over the course of your political career, you had the opportunity to build great relationships with many world leaders. Which of these leaders impressed you the most? First of all, the first ladies are much more important. <laughs> I, I met Michelle and I met President Barack Obama. I met the first lady... Uh, the wife of uh, President Trump. Uh, Melania. She's very beautiful, I must say. <laughs> she was our guest. She's very kind. And I met also uh, President Trump. We have some differences of opinion in general terms. There was a need that I'll go and talk to Mr. Obama when he had differences of opinion with the one who was the Prime Minister of Israel at the time. I, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> I, I don't think it was Sharon or, or, or Bennett. It was, uh, yeah. The, the, uh, no, no, I'm, uh, he's my cousin, I suppose. Benjamin Netanyahu is, is a Rivlin. I was uh, with my late wife, Nechama, and we were sitting at the tea room of uh, the apartment up stirs the White House, and my wife was looking uh, to Obama all the time. And he asked her, First Lady of Israel, why you are looking at me so deeply and with a real interesting uh, sort of looking? Do you do it because I'm so handsome? She said, yes, young uh, 
president, you are very handsome and you are very attractive. Nevertheless, I don't admire you. I was shaking in my chair saying, she is from the Moshav. Moshav are people who are, they know to say exactly what they think. Sometimes it's not very comfortable for the one who is sitting next to them, but she did so. So he said, what do you mean? She said, I admire your grandmother. I saw immediately the change in the eyes of Barack Obama, the president of the United States. And uh, she said to him, you know why I admire your grandmother? You could ever, never make and bring your grandmother to become the president of the United States. But she brought you to become the president of the United States as the first black president in America. Because of that, I admire her. The president came up from his chair and he said, Mr. President, with your permission, he said, by all means, and he said to Michelle, and he went to the chair of Nechama, my wife, my late wife, and he kissed her, and he hugged her. And since then, every request that I needed from the president of the United States, I asked Nechama to ask for them. President Rivlin, uh, it was such an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for your leadership, for coming today, and for everything that you've been doing for the State of Israel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. You've been listening to Storymark. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, consider signing up for the Storymark newsletter, where we'll keep you up to date about upcoming guests. Visit storymarkpodcast.org to sign up, and you can also follow us on Instagram, at Storymark. Storymark is brought to you by iTrek Studios. iTrek is a nonprofit that inspires tomorrow's leaders through peer-led week-long treks in Israel to experience its innovation, diversity, and complex reality firsthand. For more information, visit itrek.org. I'm your host, Gil Galanos. Our producer is Ellie Blyer and associate producer is Rebecca Sebastian. Our editor is Zev Levi. Thanks for listening and Litraot. See you next time. <laughs>